0: Do you ever struggle with remembering details from your travels? Then I've got something special for you. How would you like a better way to keep track of all the things you see and experience in Scotland? A way to keep those special memories and all the details fresh for years to come. My new Scotland travel journal might just be what you need. It includes daily journaling prompts to help you start writing about your day, lots of space for doodling and notes, prompts to reflect on your trip overall, and suggestions for things to do that help you make more meaningful connections with Scotland. There's also inspiration for your travel bucket list, a map to draw your route, space to keep track of your travel details, and some Gaelic and Scottish phrases to try while you're here. All you have to do is print out the journal Fold the pages in half and start writing. The Scotland Travel Journal is the perfect companion for your upcoming trip to Scotland. Find it in the Watch Me See online shop or visit the link in the show notes. And now, let's get on with the show. Hello there, and welcome to Wild for Scotland. A podcast that allows you to travel to Scotland through stories. My name is Kathy Camleitner. I'm a writer and storyteller and I run the Scotland travel blog Watch Me See. After years of helping people from around the world plan their trips, this podcast is my way to help you connect with Scotland regardless of your travel plans. Each episode starts with a travel story about a location or an experience from my travels. Then, I'll tell you some of my top tips for visiting, to inspire a future trip. Are you ready? Great! Let's travel to Scotland. The first season of Wild for Scotland is all about the Scottish Isles. Each week, we travel to a different island and spend some time exploring their nooks and crannies, history, and landscapes. This week, you might want to pour yourself a dram. We're about to head into Whiskey Month, a month-long celebration of all things Scottish whisky. May 16 is World Whiskey Day, and many whisky regions are hosting festivals and special events to celebrate. This year, most of these will of course happen virtually, to prepare you for the occasion, we're heading to the Isle of Isla, the Queen of the Hebrides. Once part of the Gallic Kingdom, Dal Riada, later centre of the Clan Donald's Lordship of the Isles, the island is now famous for mostly one thing, whiskey. And while I would love to tell you about Isla's stunning beaches, historic sites like Finlagen or Dunivate Castle, or the intricate stone carvings on the Celtic Gildalton cross. There was really no debate over the focus of this Isla episode. Whisky is everywhere you look on Isla. From distilleries to crafts made from old whisky barrels on sale in the local shops, recipes refined with a shot of your favourite dram, and a glass cabinet full of prized collections in every hotel or bed and breakfast. The islanders fully embrace whisky as their gift to the world. For me, the journey was a little bumpier, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's travel to Isla together. This is an acquired taste. I remember the first time I tried Scottish whiskey. I was working in a small bar in Vienna and we had three different single malts to choose from. Sixteen-year-old Lagavulin, a smoky whiskey from Islay, fourteen-year-old Oban, which is a smooth malt with a hint of peat, and ten-year-old Glenmorangie, a mellow, unpeated whiskey. Quite the variety for a small bar in Austria. They were popular among some of our regulars, but I, I found them awful. The smell, the taste, the burn, everything. Once I even mixed cola with a shot of Lagavulin that someone had bought for me, because it was the only way I could get it down. I'm not proud of it, but it happened. For me, whiskey, like so many other things in life, is an acquired taste. Who would have thought that a few years later I would move to Scotland, the homeland of single malt? I knew I had to find a way to like whiskey. And so I went to distilleries. I learned about the craft of whiskey making, the skill and precision required of the stillmaster and the master blender, the different whiskey regions, the impact of the location when it came to storing barrels, the angel's share, that elusive amount that evaporates to the heavens during maturation. I found it absolutely fascinating, but whisky itself still tasted awful to me. You've just not found the right whisky for you, they kept saying, the Scots, blinded by their love for whisky. Maybe I was just not made for it. But I didn't give up and kept trying. Whiskey from the highlands and lowland distilleries, from the Speyside and Campbelltown, from Isla and the other islands. Dram by dram, I made myself recognise the differences. Is it peated or unpeated? Can you taste the salt from the seaside? Was this aged in a bourbon or a sherry cask? With every trip to the distilleries, I learnt more about whisky. I even followed the advice of our tour guide at Loch Ness and had a dram on the boat touring the loch. Apparently, it increases your chances of seeing the monster, but that's a story for another time. After four years of trying, I could finally say, I started not hating it. For me, whisky is an acquired taste. Eventually, I went from not hating it to quite liking a wee dram. Not the whole measure, though. That was too much. Many trips to the pub and family gatherings later, I started picking favourites. Oban, yes, I quite like that. A little smoky, but not like licking an ashtray. That's nice. Jura, mmm, yeah, that's good too. I started filling my hip flask for every long-distance hike I did. Warmth in a bottle that would keep me cosy at night in my tent. I took a wee sip here and there, then some more, and before you know it, I found myself on the Speyside Way, hiking along the whisky trail. Want to try a cask-strength Abelauer? Sure, bring it over. It was soon after this that an opportunity fell into my lap. Would I like to join a whisky tour to the Isle of Isla? Without hesitation, I signed up. By this point, I had started to embrace the peaty Isla whiskies. My days of pouring cola in a Lagavulin were long gone, and Laphroaig, one of the smokiest whiskies, was among my favorites. The peatier, the better. I packed my bags and set sail to Islay, and this is where the story really begins. I'm standing outside a large white building right next to the sea. There is a slipway leading into the water and a picnic bench with a view of the bay. The sun is shining and tiny dots of light are dancing up and down on the gently swaying water. It was a hazy morning, but as it climbed higher the sun broke through the clouds. There are giant letters painted on the side of the building. They're deep black colour a stark contrast to the blindingly white paint on the wall. A-R-D-B-E-G, Ardbeg, one of nine whisky distilleries on Isla. Together they produce around two million litres of whisky each year. For an island with just over 3,000 inhabitants, that's an awful lot of whisky. Of course, much of it is exported around the world, used in famous blends, or enjoyed a single malt's neat or on ice. And yet here I am at the source where it all begins. Our distillery guide tells us the history of Ardbeg. It was founded in 1815. Notably, a few years before the Excise Act was passed and distilleries started to receive their official licenses. Soon, Ardbeg was well known for its blended whisky. Single malt wasn't really a thing in those days. By the 1980s though, the distillery, along with the whisky industry as a whole, faced significant challenges and production at Artbeg was actually halted twice before returning to stability. Today, Artbeg is owned by a French company, but the whisky production is still well in local hands and demand has only increased. Next to the existing buildings, there is a construction site. A new still house with two new copper stills will be added here soon. Despite these new additions and expansions, Ardbeg, like most distilleries, is dedicated to preserving the heritage of whisky making, a craft that has been refined over hundreds of years. Even though machines have taken over some of the heavy lifting, Whisky is still very much an art that depends on the knowledge and skill of stillmasters and their teams. Out here by the water, this sense of pride for the heritage of whisky on Isla is particularly clear. Today, most of the transport is done by trucks and big ferries. But back in the day, it was essential to build these island distilleries close to the sea. They relied on boats bringing in the barley needed for production – and take away the spirit to be sold around the world. Slipways like the one I'm standing on right now were the lifelines for these distilleries, and the perfect setting for my introduction to the whisky industry on Isla. Our tour continues, tasting the difference between unmalted barley and the heavily peated barley used here at Ardbeg, past the mash tuns and washbacks for a whiff of fermentation, and finally to the impressive stillhouse with its giant copper stills. And like every good distillery tour, we finish off with a dram. Not just one, but three different expressions produced here at the distillery. Surrounded by bottles and with a scent of peat in the air, I hold out my glass. Our guide fills it and talks us through the tasting notes. She's pregnant but knows them by heart. I can tell that she's tasted it many times before. I go through the tasting, step by step. Look at the colour, swirl the liquid round the glass, smell it, take a sip, keep it in my mouth for a wee moment and swallow. Before I know it, she comes round again and fills my glass for a second time. I repeat the process, a little speedier than the first time. And then she comes round with the third dram. Okay then, I wouldn't want to be rude. It's barely noon on my first day on Isla, and I'm already three whiskies in. When I finally get up to leave the tasting room for the cafe across the courtyard, my legs are like jelly, and I'm feeling light headed. Thankfully, I had a big breakfast this morning. After a bite to eat, we continue our journey on the Isla Whisky Coast, a section of coastline dotted by three famous distilleries. Ardbeg is the one farthest away. Next up is Lagavulin, then Laphroaig. They are connected by a path that can be cycled or walked. It's only four miles from one end to the other, a perfect alternative if no one wants to be the designated driver. We stop for a tasting at Lagavulin, and a condensed tour at Lafroig, followed by more tasting. I must be at least eight drams in by now, and judging by the merry atmosphere on board our little tour bus, everyone is having the time of their lives. Increasingly inebriated, we make a pit stop at Isla Wines in Port Ellen to taste some wine made from barley, rhubarb and brambles. And I don't know if it's really the wine... Or if the whisky is getting the better of me, I decide to buy a bottle of barley wine and save it for a family visit in a few months' time. Before we head back to our accommodation in Beaumore, our driver takes us to the Mall of O, a rugged cliff top leading to the American Monument, a memorial to the men who lost their lives in two shipwrecks off Isla in 1918. The fresh air is like a much-needed splash of cold water in the face. I watch lambs tumble over each other as they joyfully jump across the meadows. Wild goats are grazing closely to the edge of the cliffs, seemingly unaware of the drop to the sea. Far back on the horizon, I can see the coast of Northern Ireland, only 24 miles away. The water below us is crystal clear and I can see the sand and rocks beneath the surface. With the sun in my face, I take a deep breath. Whiskey or not, this is heaven. I rise the next morning with a sore head. Eight or so whiskies, wine, and more wine over dinner in Beaumont. Do not leave me unscathed. The breakfast is delightful, though. A freshly cooked meal, a large pot of coffee, and a refreshing glass of orange juice just what the doctor ordered. I don't know it yet, but our driver guide has big plans for the day. First stop, Beaumont Distillery. The oldest distillery on Islay, and the one with the oldest warehouses still in use anywhere in Scotland. Our tour includes the usual. A walkthrough of the distilling process, the still house, and of course a tasting. But we also get to peek inside one of the historic warehouses, often the best-guarded secrets of a whisky distillery. Many stored a majority of their whisky in unmarked warehouses in secret locations. Even though all distilleries on Isla make whisky the old-fashioned way, not all of them are as traditional and quaint as Ardbeg or Laphroaig. Some distilleries were built for large production volumes, never meant to welcome visitors. But of course people want to see where the magic happens, and so they are finding ways to make this possible. Kau'ila is one such distillery. Located on the north coast of Isla, its tall still house looks rather industrial. On the inside, though, especially by the big copper stills, this distillery is possibly one of Isla's most scenic. Large glass panels make up the majority of the wall facing the sea. You can see the paps of Jura across the water, those rounded hills on the Isle of Jura. We make our way to a tasting room overlooking the water and indulge in some whisky paired with chocolate. The headache from this morning is long gone and my mood is getting better and better. After flying visits at Boonahavn and Ardnahoe, the newest distillery on the island, we stop at Ballygrant Inn for lunch. Their menu does not disappoint. That is, the whisky menu. I spot one of my favourite whiskies that is no longer in production. Maybe it's a sign. Four distilleries and God knows how many drams in. There is simply no stopping now. I order it along with a lovely soup and a sandwich. I'm a responsible adult after all. Back on the road, we are now making our way down the Rinds of Islay, a peninsula in the west of the island. We stop at Bruichladdie Distillery. The fifth distillery on our itinerary today. Never a fan of their unpeated whisky, I fell in love with their bottle design though, and during our obligatory tasting, the guide tells us a little more about it. Like many other distilleries on Isla, it faced difficulties in the 80s and 90s. Demand was low, and so the distillery was closed in 1994. Eventually, It was bought and reopened, and with the takeover came a new design. You might have spotted the bright blue bottles of their flagship whisky in the shops. The classic laddie. They're hard to miss. Others are bright yellow, a perfect harmony of colours. The design was inspired by the local surroundings, our guide tells us. And one look across the road confirms this. Yellow wildflowers bloom by the shoreline, forming a carpet that perfectly frames the bright blue water of the ocean. You could have popped bottles from the shop into this landscape, and they would have blended in perfectly, never to be seen again. At least, not if you had as many drams as me. Having seen eight of Isla's whiskey distilleries so far, we couldn't help but make one final stop. The ninth distillery was waiting for us. Kilchoman Distillery is in many ways different from other distilleries on Isla. First of all, it's not by the sea. You can't even see the sea from here. It isn't painted white like the others and doesn't have its name painted on the side. In fact, if it wasn't for the characteristic pagoda on top of one of the buildings, you couldn't even tell that it is a distillery. Kilchoman is also unique in that they use barley from Isla. Other distilleries buy most of their barley from farms on the mainland, but Kilhoman is surrounded by fields. They grow much of their own supply and buy more from other farms on the island. We tour the distillery and stop on the malting floor to have a taste of the core range. This is one of only seven distilleries in Scotland where the barley is malted on site. The barley is first soaked in water and then laid out on a concrete floor. Some poor soul then has to turn the barley regularly by hand and eventually the grains will germinate, turning starch into fermentable sugars. It's basically where the magic begins. Merry, on the way to Tipsy, we continue our tour. Luckily, I have visited enough distilleries by now to know the rest of the process by heart. Malting, peating, mashing, fermenting, distilling, maturing, bottling. Even though every distillery follows these same basic steps, they have each perfected their own secret recipes to the tea. At the end of our tour, we each receive a dram for the road, a small bottle of Kilchoman and a tasting glass to take away. I hop back on the bus, thinking we're ready to return to Beaumont, but our guide has one final ace up his sleeve. Slowly, he drives down a narrow road towards the coast, We park up, and even though it is windy, I can hear the waves rolling onto the shore in the distance. I follow the others down a sandy path, my feet digging into the ground, sand running down the inside of my trainers. I emerge from the dunes and see in front of me a sprawling beach. It is low tide, and the edge of the water seems miles away. I take off my shoes and my socks and start walking on the hardened sand. There are footsteps in the sand, and lots of paw prints. But apart from our small group, the beach is empty now. Only us, and the waves. I walk towards the water, and dip my toes in. It's icy cold. I take out the small whiskey bottle, Machir Bay. The name of the expression, but also of this beach. Like many whiskies on Isla, it is named after a scenic spot near the distillery. I pour the golden liquid into my glass. Ushgeva, water of life. I take a sip and think about my journey to this very moment. The time and effort I invested to mature my taste buds. The knowledge I picked up along the way. Maybe you find yourself wondering if you will ever like whiskey. Well, let me tell you one thing. The best things in life come to those who are patient And maybe one day, if you only keep trying, you might also learn this acquired taste. I hope you enjoyed the story about visiting the Isle of Islay and I've inspired you to visit too one day in the near future. A lot has changed since my first visit to Islay. Ardbeg has recently finished its new stillhouse to ramp up production. Kilchoman was painted white and a new distillery in Port Ellen is underway. I guess I'll have to plan a return visit soon. Now it's time for the practical part of the show. As always, Here are my top five travel tips for a trip to Isla, whether you're planning a whisky pilgrimage or just looking for a stunning island to add to your itinerary. Tip number one, join a guided tour. Visiting Isla with a guided tour was the best decision I ever made. It meant that I didn't have to worry about driving and could fully concentrate on enjoying one dram after the other. We visited all nine distilleries on the island in two days and also had time to stop at scenic beaches, historic sites, and other places of interest on Isla. I could never have done this by myself. A driver guide also arranged some top-notch deals with the distilleries, and made sure we never sat on the bus too long without a stop for a dram. I partnered with Rabies to drive their four-day Isla whisky tour. They only used small buses for up to 16 people, and since everyone shared an interest in whisky, it was a great group experience. I published my review of the tour on WatchMeSee.com. I will link to it in the show notes. Tip number two: visit for the Isla Festival of Malt and Music. The Isla Festival takes place every year in May. This year, the virtual program takes place from the twenty-eighth of May to the sixth of June. The festival puts on activities like ceilis, recitals, Gaelic lessons, and folk music. And every day, another distillery, including the one on Jura, is taking the stage to host whisky tastings. You can check out the programme on IslaFestival.com. If you want to attend the festival in person one day, I can only recommend to start looking into accommodation early. After two years of virtual events, I expect next year's festivals to be even busier than usual. Tip number three. Bring paracetamol. Or any other kind of headache medication. I'm just going to leave it at that. Tip number four. It's not all about whiskey. I know that whiskey isn't everybody's cup of tea. But don't worry. Isla is still worth a visit. There are also two gin distilleries on the island. The Botanist, made at Bruchlady. And Nerebus, made by Isla Gin Limited. And then there's Isla Wines, a company in Port Ellen, that produces various wines made from local ingredients like barley, rhubarb and bramble. The owners found an old recipe book and started experimenting. It's no Merlot or Chardonnay, but the fruity wines have a lovely taste in their own right. Tip number five. Of course, there's more to Isla than the booze. There are many other things to do on Isla that have nothing to do with whiskey, gin or wine. Beaches from Machir Bay to a big strand that stretches for seven miles from Kintra to Lagan Farm. Castles and historic sites like Dunyveig, Finlagan or Kildalton Cross. Nature reserves and bird colonies. Picturesque villages from Beaumore to Port Charlotte. You can go sea kayaking or fat biking on the beaches. There's really no shortage of things to do and activities to try on Isla. And with this... I send you off to dream about your own trip to Isla. The island is opening up to domestic tourism, along with the rest of Scotland this week. But be aware that ferries, accommodations, restaurants and distilleries will be running on a reduced capacity for the foreseeable future. Plan well ahead if you're looking to visit. I'm off on my own adventure this week, to a completely different part of Scotland, but rest assured I will definitely try to fit in a whisky distillery or two. It might not have been love at first sight, but I've really come to embrace Scottish whisky with all my heart. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Wild for Scotland. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe to it, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, or share your favourite episode with a friend. Sign up for my email list, connect with me on socials, or visit the website wildforscotland.com. There you will find photos from today's travel story, transcripts and other episodes. You can also support the show on Patreon. From just £3 a month, you can support my work, and for a little more, you'll unlock bonus content and goodies. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Wild for Scotland is written, hosted and produced by me, Cathy Kamleitner, with additional support by Fran Torowskis. Podcast art is by Lizzie Vaughan-Knight, the Tartan Trailburner, and all original music is composed by Bruce Wallace. Until next time, when we travel to a different place in Scotland. If you're still here, listening all the way to the very end, it means you've probably got your hands full. So let me take this opportunity to remind you that I don't just write immersive travel stories. I also plan unforgettable itineraries for Scotland and it's never been easier to follow one of my routes. Head to watchmesea.com forward slash shop to browse my ready-made Scotland itineraries and turn your travel dreams into reality.